But I watch that throughout the year. Like it'll tell you whether you're intruding more than you know, because more often than not, deer don't let you know you made a mistake. But by the card, they will kind of tell you, you know, if there's a big three or four day void and then all of a sudden it's buck, 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 buck. Uh -huh. It's like something's wrong with your access to that camera. Okay. Move it or quit going to it. This segment of DOD TV is brought to you by Ram Trucks. Guts, glory, Ram. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast. I'm Tim Chelswick. I'm Matt Drury. We've got the madman, Mark Drury, with us. And we're talking about summer... <laughs> and we got I was a new wondering how long it was going to take before you got into it. And we got a new toy. So we have a new toy. For those of you listening, I have like this little iPad that's got sound effects on it. For those of you watching, here it is. And uh, I'm going to annoy you, as Mark said before our podcast, <laughs> with sound effects. It'll be the one show where we have the soundboard and then people told us. <laughs> right. Get rid, Get rid of the soundboard. We're kind of done with that. There's only a few sounds on there right now, but like I, my vision for this was to have all kinds of you know, drops from yeah. previous episodes of the podcast, funny stuff that we can throw in there and I can have access to hit. Matt has always wanted to be a morning drive time radio That's DJ. Right. Now he's, he's got it right here. <laughs> hey everybody. Toilet flush, yeah. toilet flush, toilet flush. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so. We just upped the class factor. That's right. <laughs> Jeez. Well, I, I know it's, it's the heat of summer right now. Like the heat index was over a hundred degrees today. It's a little hard to think about deer season, but you kind of have to. Like we're in the that point where summer's kind of at its peak, and before you know it, seasons are going to be opening up. And we get a lot of questions. And Mark, I know you get a lot of questions on what are you doing, Mark Drury, during this time of year to prepare for a season. So we wanted to dig into that today. Yeah, I mean, we're sitting the first week of July. That's when everybody. That's kind of when it turns on. The new hunting shows started on, mm -hmm. on Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel. That's when you kind of click over into. You know what? I'm now interested again. I've always used that marker as the Fourth of July. You get through that yeah. holiday, and it's like you you get through the Fourth, and all of a sudden the bucks kind of look like they're going to look come mm -hmm. season. Some of them may not be completely finished, but most show you what they're going to look like. And there's no doubt this is this is the real start. I think to fall, and we see it within you know just general commenting on social media, viewership on television, overall interest level really really drives right now. Sure. So what are you feeling like right now? the window is closing on like what aspects of your prep are you getting to the end of like, I got to have this done or else I'm pretty much out of time on for us, you know, getting all the supplies we need in order to hit the ground running based on what rains we get in the fall or in the late summer. Okay. So I'm ordering everything I need in terms of seed and fertilizer and making those plans right now because we'll, we'll put in 35 to 40 different green fields hmm. between August the 1st, and September the 1st. And there is a lot of organization, a lot of logistics that go into that in terms of the yeah. chemicals you need to spray it down. And that's across 75 miles, you know, 14, 15 different farms. So where's which tractor? Where are the drills? Where are the, mm -hmm. you know, disc? Where do we need them first and where do we need them last? And the logistics of it are kind of a nightmare for us. So we're doing all that planning right now and yeah. all of that ordering and, and making sure that we're ready to start prepping plots, which we're already doing. We're okay. spraying stuff down right now, killing uh, those, those fall plots so that we can go in there and, and uh, either drill them, no-till them, mm -hmm. or work them up and, and uh, plant them. 
And uh, Scott and I thought we had it bad. <laughs> the three food pots we're going to try to put in. <laughs> yeah, suddenly like the scale is just a totally different one. I'm, yeah. I'm cutting down trees to make trails in some of my properties and hanging a few stands. We're doing that too. Uh, I mean, we're yeah. doing that too. So it's just, well, uh, just not, a bigger scale. Not to mention bigger scale, the amount of cameras you guys put out. So, you know, there's a lot that that's very time consuming as well. Just putting them all out, making sure the batteries are good. The cars are good. The organization of what, what cameras where. Monster. Yeah. It's a monster project for us you know we'll do 150 cameras this fall oh, total so and probably i don't know how many of those are going to be sell but a bunch of them so uh -huh. that's a whole nother level of of time consumption so it's uh it's a lot because we're taking care of the texas lease mm -hmm. and then missouri farms iowa farms so it's a it's a lot to say grace over but uh wade and perry do a phenomenal job at that and uh you know couldn't do it without them certainly so you've said in the past that you pull your trail cameras at the end of season or somewhere around absolutely there. Yeah. and that's primarily because of theft and making sure they don't walk theft and just general maintenance each year okay. you know i keep notes throughout the season as i'm looking through a card if something's out of focus or an ir isn't firing or the color uh isn't correct then at the end of the season i'll send that camera in or if it's if it's something's really wrong i send it in during the season mm. uh the good news is with reconics that seldom happens but it might be because of the fact that we take them out of the field we clean them every year we replace the batteries uh every year those energizer lithiums and we make sure that everything's in tip-top condition before we go into yeah. the next season because what you don't want to do is go through the effort whether it be a trail or a food plot or a stand put a camera out there leave it for a month and it not work you know i mean that's the worst case scenario so <laughs> nothing the on the better cover. care you take of it just like your vehicle the more life you're going to get out of it and i've got cameras in the field that i got no seven from reconix i still use them each yeah. year i got those original four in the fall of 2007 and we still use all four of those and that's yeah. that's the best testament i can give to reconix i mean how many other trail cameras are 13 going into their 14th fall sure. still running well and dad leaves his out all year he does leave his out all year and he's got several from that first year that are still out there, you know, just replacing batteries or whatever. So, I mean, that's even more of a testament to go through all the weather conditions and, you it know, is. yes, it's crazy. Really. Yep. You kind of think about that when you, when you consider like the cost of ownership over the years that, well, the first price tag is, is that's like a barrier to entry for a lot of people. I get it. Like that's, you know, when you're talking four or $500, you're like, holy crap. No, you know, this ain't, I can't do it. I just can't spend that. You yeah. know, my wife's going to kill me. Uh, but when you think about, Hey, I ended up buying a brand X camera at Walmart or whatever. And it then busted on me two months in, you, you know, you know, you, you it, it equals out. And honestly, <laughs> honestly, I tried a little of that down in Texas because I was short of cameras and I'm like, I don't want to order any right now. I went out and bought some, you know, some cameras that are a hundred to $200 and they none lasted a season. And I'm like, man, what a great, what a great example of why we love Reconyx right there. Yeah. So, and that's not a paid plug. It's no, just that's this, just this. truth. Yeah. So. And we buy our cameras. We do <laughs> so. get what you pay for. But if you're going <laughs> to yeah. make an investment, why not make one you can count on and depend on? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah.
What else? What about stands? What are you looking at? Absolutely. Placing straps, that kind of thing. That type of stuff, getting them ready, trimming, you know, now that all the all the leaves are down. Another thing we're doing right now is TSI, believe it or not. Mm. We have a two, two-step TSI process. We do stuff where we go in and, and expose southern hillsides in the okay. winter so that they get the full benefit of sunshine throughout the spring and you get that new spring growth. Mm. Then there's some other areas where we want immediate bedding. And we don't want to wait the long time. Mm-hmm. We wait till you have full foliage and then go in and, and top trees, Okay, you know, sure. those tree tops and bring them all in together into a pile. We've had pretty good luck doing that. So yeah. we're actually doing some TSI as well on, on some new farms. So uh, it's worked well in the past because, I mean, it creates an immediate brush pile. You know, you take a hickory mm-hmm. tree or an oak that's full foliage, put it on the ground. It's amazing how thick it is. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> oh, I'm sorry. I got nothing right now. <laughs> that was going on through that whole explanation. Whenever we're short on words, just hop on in with the sound effect. I will. <laughs> I look forward to it. I, I, uh, I, I've been hunting one suburban property now for probably nine years. And it, it's amazing in that. I mean, it seems like a short amount of time, but the forest changes so much during that time. And I finally, it kind of crept up on me. Like I got to come in and clear. There's so much honeysuckle in there. I spent probably four hours one Saturday morning, just going in there with a chainsaw, clearing out a bunch of honeysuckle. It's amazing how things just grow up on you. And, and before you know it, you've totally, the landscape has totally changed and the deer are using it differently. Yeah. The visibility that you have from your stand isn't you know the when place, you look at yeah. from your stance like oh it's not that tall but then you get down in there and you're like well crap I, you know this is above my head i can't even see anything down here and we see it a lot at the least it's like that all of a sudden they're on top of you you never heard them you never saw them and you know they're just flying literally under the radar there yeah the other thing that happens is forests mature as well you you might be in a in an area where you got you know a brushy cedar field that's awesome one year and mm-hmm. three or four years later the cedars are so tall you can't see through it or conversely if you hunt the same timber say 10 years what used to be beneficial to wildlife all of a sudden it grows up matures and you can see through there and you have to continually do maintenance within those timbers mm-hmm. if you want to keep the habitat uh, suitable for the deer sure in your opinion, what do people do too much of? What are they? What are the things that people kind of take to the extreme? And end up biting. Go them? to their spots. They're just intrusion. Yeah. Okay. In my opinion, it's it's the biggest mistake hunters make. They can't stay out. Mm-hmm. And in reality, the more you stay out, the greater your odds are. It's counterintuitive. You think, man, I got to get in there, check this, do that, do that. Yeah. You make sure you are calculated in the timing that you do those things. In other words, February is a great time to go in and do the maintenance. You know, just before the season, when these bucks start to get in areas that they're they're camping out and going to stay in. Mm-hmm. Like we have a rule, like once we plant those green fields, we're out. And even really now through greenfield planting, mm-hmm. we just stay off the farms and we try not to disturb stuff. So, um, you know, the best thing you can do is stay out. We're late. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, I still got a lot of work to do. Yeah. I still got to go to my spots. Yeah. Now that's the hottest point of the year, <laughs> which sucks. It, yeah. it, and I always end up in this same in this position. We tried if we, we did better this year, but in general, it's, you know, when we're in here and you know, you think, all right, I'm going to get away a little bit earlier today. It just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it, this is part of it. Yeah. So. I keep telling my buddies, I got to hang some stands this weekend. He's like, how many stands are you hanging? Cause no, like this is the first one. Say, <laughs> yeah, it's like, I haven't got one hung yet. 
That's There's, good intentions. You can make those checklists throughout the season. You know, like I keep notes in my phone, mm-hmm. like what I want to get done. And then come February and March, we make sure we accomplish that list because it's stuff that is intrusive. So we make sure we do it at a time of year that is the least intrusive. Yeah. So I keep notes throughout the entire fall. I mean, it's it just goes and goes and goes and goes. So how are you checking trail cams then as you get closer, but also balancing, not bumping in and spooking deer? We'll set them all and then we'll take at least a month, maybe six weeks before we go in and check them, you know, because it's really not that beneficial to learn anything. You're just, you're dying to see what a certain buck looks like or whether he's there, but you know, is it beneficial to learn it first of August versus the 30th? It's probably not a big difference really, you know, just let them go, let them run. Yeah. We, you know, we can put out in the county that I'm in, we can put out, you know, like supplements. So when we put out the analogics, I try to time it with that. It's like, all right, you know, we're going to be in there anyways. And I feel like it's intrusive, but you're putting out dinner for them more or less. So now's the chance to check it. You know, Mm -hmm. obviously you get, let's see, we stop usually by mid August is the last time I put the last round of analogics out. So, so it's gone, you know, plenty of time before September 15th, but you know, then we'll go in like one more time before the season and check them. Right. Yeah. So one other thing you can do is also put those cameras this time of the year out on the food sources where it's Mm -hmm. much easier to access and get in there because granted all your pictures will be at night more Mm -hmm. often than not, but you still get that inventory, which is what you're really doing. And you're not intruding into your hunting area. I do that as well. I start on the outskirts and I don't really go interior into cover and stuff till later in the year. I, I do everything on food this time of the year. Now with cell cameras, you know, this year we're contemplating actually going in this time of year and putting out some cell cameras in timber spots that I don't really ever go into and then just setting them and forgetting them. Sure. You know, so I don't got to go in at any time this season. Mm-hmm. Is, do you do that at all or where you put your, you know, where you think, all right, here's a good spot. I know I'm going to, you know, I might not get any pictures here, but I will come October 15th or whatever. I don't. I do everything uh, inventory this time of year mm-hmm. with the main cameras, stay out six weeks or so. And then I don't want to start burning data and I don't want to start burning batteries in those cell cams until it's go time. So I really don't move in with cell cams till closer to the season. It'll probably be just prior to the Missouri season before I put any cell cams out. And that'll be based on who's where and who we're targeting. Okay. So, but you will go into your timber and stuff to do that? Maybe if it's an easy place to get to, yes. Yeah. But even okay. then we might do it on a tractor, or, you know, or a truck, you know, we don't walk a whole heck of a lot on the farms. Okay. We Good just talked about that earlier about one of the farms I hunt is just getting to some of my stands to do some work this time of year. And it'd be nice to get a truck to drop you off. And, yeah. Or if I do, I'm going to take, it's like everything we set up, there's an approach, um, method that we take to get in and out. Mm-hmm. Otherwise we don't hunt there. Right. So I'll wait for the same condition that I'm going to hunt on. In other words, wind, speed, and direction. Go in, set it up, sneak out, and make sure that I'm clean when I go do it. So I just don't want them to know that we're in there. That's such a hard thing to do in the summertime when it's so hot to stay as scent-free as possible. It is. Because it's just usually ridiculously warm. Well, also, and keep in mind the wind and all that, because you're just not thinking that way a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, most guys just aren't thinking like that yet. Right. You know, they're just like, all right, I'm going to go in, put this. They they ignore the senses of the whitetail, you know, they underestimate them. And, you know, that's, it's the worst thing you can do is, is go in there too much. If you bump a buck on the way in, what kind of memory do you think they have as to 
you know, how long lasting that intrusion is going to stick. You know, it depends if they smelled you or if they saw you or heard you. You know, I think when you add a bump, when you add sight with smell, then you've got a problem on your hands. If they, if they, you know, just because they, you know, they see cattle and run from that, or they see a farmer go by and they run from that. But when they add that visual to a sense of smell, like that's a predator, Mm -hmm. then I think that's a different story. You know, you're not going to run them out of their home range, but what you do is slowly but surely change how much daylight activity you're going to get out of that deer. I think through time, they're just like not going over there, you know? So I think the, the less you bother them, the greater your chances are of harvesting that deer. Makes sense. You don't have your windows down, do you? I do. It's raining. I know. Why don't you go get it? He's committed. It's the edge today. The little gray edge. Oh, well. I was sitting there thinking about it the whole time I heard it, but I didn't want to stop the podcast. It's all good. Wow. We're, we could cut that part out. We could just do a bunch of fart noises. <laughs> just so happens i have that mark any other big priorities for the summer kind of the time we have left before season you know those are it man i mean it's plus the mowing you know right now you get into that time of the year where a lot of the weeds have matured out um clover's going dormant if it's not already dormant sure. so you can actually do more harm than good by mowing clover this time of year but weeds and paths you know that you're eventually going to use to go in it's not a bad idea to start those you probably mm-hmm. want to mow them one more time okay. and that that next time as you approach the season i do a full round of cameras off that tractor one thing I was thinking as I was cutting this new trail on, on one of my properties was if I came through with an herbicide and sprayed, will that, the scent from the herbicide, will that impact deer movement or will that cause them to avoid that area? It's a good question. I, I wouldn't think if you did it early enough, it's going to affect it too, too badly. Okay. But one thing I was going to say to prove to yourself just what your intrusion is doing, take a t- simple test. And look at the card. Every time you look at a card, look at the first few days versus the rest of the card. Mm. And see if there's a difference between when you were just there and when you haven't been there for a while. Okay. And I, I've noticed the first few days, you generally don't get a whole heck of a lot in terms yeah. of mature deer. I was going to say. And then and, they start coming. And it's a difference between a fawn and a doe and, and a big buck. It yeah. is. <laughs> so. It is. Watch yourself. And that'll tell you what your intrusion is doing. Watch those first few days closely to see how long it takes to get a daylighter yeah. as opposed to see them at all nighttime, you know, compare what's happening those first few yeah. days of the card. Makes sense. I've noticed when we do put out like the analogics, it, it tends to entice them a little better to it, come it over. Does. Sure. Yeah. It does. Any attractant will help. Certainly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But I watch that throughout the year. Like it'll tell you whether you're intruding more than, you know, because more often than not deer don't let you know you made a mistake, but by the card, they will kind of tell you, you know, if there's a big three or four day void and then all of a sudden it's buck, 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 buck. Uh-huh. It's like something's wrong with your access to that camera, okay. move it or quit going to it and perhaps quit going to that stand. Yeah. It, they'll, they'll help you. Those cameras will, it's a bit of a cheat sheet as far as how much your intrusions affecting yeah, it's, them. It's, it's like an inverted negative test. It is. Their absence proves that you've done something wrong. Correct. Huh. And that's why I never get good pictures. <laughs> Mark's good at this. Oh, yeah. His pictures, when he sends them to dad and I, it's like, oh, another giant in daylight. <laughs> yes. Like, I got this barely visible buck at 20 yards at nighttime at 3 a.m. Here's my shot. I think he's a four-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got their butts walking away from the trail cam. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely the a science. What I've learned over the years is definitely a science to how you put it out. Like 
the direction, the, the height, hitting it, the height, the your settings screwed yeah. that up every year. <laughs> right out of the gate, settings are always screwed up. It's easy to do. Got to yeah. check all that stuff. Yeah. Check the date, check the time too. Make sure it's accurate. Yeah. You know, worst thing is if it's, you know, AM and PM are reversed out, which happens <laughs> a lot, or the time being off. Mm -hmm. um, you want to check all that stuff because all that stuff can be very valuable years from now. You know, it may not be this season. It might be yeah. a few years from now, either on the same deer or another deer doing the same things that he's doing. You can learn a lot from, from day and time. No doubt. Why don't we help our buddy, Brian, who has a question for us? The question of the day is probably brought to you by Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. Your adventure starts here. Hey, guys, my question is this. I'm from Georgia, and I haven't seen it so much here, but I hunt Illinois for about the last 20 years, and I've noticed that the vast majority of bully bucks are usually brute bodies, lots of attitudes. They seem to breed all the does and push the other bucks around. Why are they always subpar horn-wise versus the ones that don't run all the does and, and fight so much? The bullies just seem to always be a whole in, a whole lot inferior horn-wise. Thank you very much. That's an interesting question. So, you know, it's like, all right. And I noticed that too. It's like, you got a bully buck, but why, you know, usually he's got not much on his head. It's always that little guy. And like little man uh, complex like he's coming after every deer on the field mm -hmm. do you ever notice you see them more often as well yeah oh yeah so the answer lies in that the fact that they walk more they're just more aggressive they'll start fights all the time and social stress is a real deal with whitetails so if they're constantly stressing themselves out by fighting and walking and showing up during daylight then they're not going to physiologically mature like a buck that's lazy non-confrontational huh. barely moves he's going to have a much better rack than that bully buck that's walking nonstop. That's that's my theory. And I, I have a feeling that's accurate, you know, because those bully bucks, you see them all the time. They're walking nonstop, you know, and they just wear themselves out going mm -hmm. into the winter. Therefore, not as much goes into the antlers the next year. Whereas mm -hmm. those big giants, yeah. if you ever look at them more often than not, their coats are perfect. They almost never are fighters, almost huh. never. <laughs> Smarter, not harder. Yep. That's right. I think it's just personality driven. Mm -hmm. So in reality, when you kill that bully buck, it's just that you're killing a more aggressive buck that walks a lot more during, during daylight. Yeah. And that buck that's got that giant rack, you think, oh, he's smarter. When in reality, he may just be either non-confrontational, a bit of a, a baby, mm -hmm. or just, you know, very lazy. One of the two. And a lot of times, once you kill the bully buck, all of a sudden you see the bigger buck step in or a new buck or, yeah. yeah it's like hey where'd he come from we've documented it so many times big giant bucks come out on the food plot three-year-old bully goes and walks him off all burnt up he just doesn't he doesn't want any trouble hmm. huh. kind of like you and i walking into a bar yeah nobody wants any Silent trouble we're obviously <laughs> those guys got beards it was mean business you know, we're wearing ourselves out. <laughs> That's why we're... We are the bullies. That was marked in my cookies. <laughs> and it's apt, too. He, get, he gets the point. <laughs> <laughs> this show is pretty much for ourselves. That's right. This is point. this going out on there? <laughs> Probably not. 
Luckily, we didn't go live. <laughs> Brian, uh, thank you for submitting the question. If you want to submit the question, there's a hyperlink within the show notes. Just click that. It'll take you to the dreoutdoors.com page. Click the send voicemail tab and leave us your name, location, and quick question. That was a good one. It was. Nice job, Brian. It. It, is, it's it actually vastly. excellent question, actually. Excellent. Very, wow. very smart yeah. and astute to ask that question. Very smartly. <laughs> speaking of speaking of smart, how about we jump into the wildlife word segment? Let's do it. Let's Make do everyone it. smartier. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This week's wildlife word is uh, not... Mark is cheating. It's multiple I, choice I now. can't read. <laughs> I can't read. I can't That's read from <laughs> Yes. That's a drop, guys. So pull him gonna, saying, I can't read, and that's a sound bite. <laughs> I got good at deer hunt, but I never learned to read. <laughs> clip that off. I'm going to start saying it. Every time I want that drop, I'm just going to say, clip, clip that off. <laughs> the, so there's multiple choice. The word is vibrissae. Hmm. Vibrissae. Is it A, deer whiskers? B, small bones located in a whitetail's heart that help them hear low frequencies. C, any item placed on a bowstring that reduces vibration. Or D, all of the above. Mark? I would guess B if I had to just guess, but I don't know. I actually and, tuned out. <laughs> so I actually don't care. I'm going to go with B as well. I'm sorry. I got a text from old man winner. So. Uh, well, uh, you, you guys are both wrong. Unfortunately, D. it's, it's, no. <laughs> it's not small bones that, that are in a white tail's heart. It's a deer whiskers. It's the term for if, if, cause you know, if you look at, especially on a mount, you see just how, how many there, there's like an array of sensors that come off their nose and mouth area and even around their eyes. Like a cat. Yeah, pretty much. And it's interesting because there's 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 not a whole lot of information on them, although scientists think that they help deter- they help the deer determine wind direction. So they know kind of where if it's especially if it's a very gentle slight breeze, helps them detect where the odors are coming from and also helps detect things that are in proximity to their face as they're feeding around at nighttime. Hmm. Applause for that. Wee. Amazing. <laughs> they are incredible. And they're around their eyes also. Yeah. Th- that's one of the, the, the cool things about deer biology is we still don't know everything. Oh, that's probably almost every biology, you know, for about anything. You know, it's amazing what you can kind of continue to find and learn as, as scientists and, you know, biologists. And as they learn more. You know, we find out all kinds of stuff. Hell, about humans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think we we sometimes fall into the trap of thinking that because we're so advanced where we are right now, that we pretty much got everything figured out. Not us Not, specifically. We are definitely do not think that we're race. advanced yes. people in general. Like we're bringing magnets. we're bringing it down a notch. <laughs> Anything else we need to talk about? We're not, we don't have any crazy contests going on right now. No, I mean, in general, you know, it's that time of year. The TV shows are starting to air. They started up the first week of July Mm -hmm. and, you know, 13, Boat Madness, Critical Mass. There's a ton of great content out there for those of you that get the outdoor channel. Uh, And in general, DeerCast, update your app if you haven't. We've done several updates in the last month or so. Working under the hood. Yeah, a lot of back end stuff. It won't necessarily change, you know, 
a lot that you'll notice off the bat, but it's going to help performance. So going into the fall, you definitely want to have the updated app because it's going to better the product in the end. And, so. and it's been out for a few weeks now, but our sharing function. So yeah. if you see something that's cool in DeerCast, you want to share it to social or text it to someone, just tap the little sharing button there. I find that I'm seeing it. I saw it from a, a, a guy that I know from back home. That I'm not great friends with, but acquaintances were friends on Facebook. He shared one of the articles today and oh, I was great. like it's the first time I had seen hot dog that. like, <laughs> that's the point though that's why we did it I mean there's so much great content in there that you know, I think if, if we can start sharing that stuff out, you don't have to be a member. You don't have to be uh, really? a subscriber. You don't even have uh -huh. to download DeerCast because we have the .com version. Takes them right into it, and it allows people to have all that great content to it's access. It's worth getting on DeerCast.com just for the dailies. I mean, yeah. what are you up to? Over 700. 700 articles, articles that are free. Just go check them out, man. Yeah. And if you don't share them, you're being selfish. That's right. So to humanity. get on there and share those things. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to make friends with those crickets, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm planning on using them a lot. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. Why don't we shut this thing down? And, uh, Next week, who knows who's going to be on the show? But it's going to be a it's going to be a serviceable episode. That's well put, very astute. <laughs> who knows? No. We don't know. <laughs> so it's going to be great, though. It'll it, be huge. So here, <laughs> one of the conversations we had internally was: Should we do something on four fletched arrows? Yeah, and, 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 and that was Tim's idea. And I admittedly don't know anything about it. And I was like, I, is that a big thing? Like it's it such a hot topic. Well, How can you not cover it? Well, that's kind of was my point. <laughs> I think Mark's being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't know. But hey, if that's something you want to hear about, let us know. In all reality, you ought to ask them maybe some guests they'd love to see on the show. People that are following the show, um, all three of them. Let us know some of the guests you'd love to hear from. <laughs> I, I, I don't have what I wanted to put in there. We had some vulgar sound bites that I'm not allowed to play. So, but in all reality, if you have an idea of somebody you want to see on the show, you know, so here's what you do when this show launches in DeerCast in the feed, just throw a comment in there who you'd like to see or on YouTube as well, whatever, yep. you know, we just want to hear the comments. So let us know. Comment on it and let us know who you want to see. Maybe it's a Drury Outdoors team member that you've not had on the podcast that's before, right. or maybe it's, you know, one of our guests or somebody else outside the industry. Maybe you'd like someone that's always on the show to not be on the show anymore. Tim. Let us know that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just don't know. We got to ask the question. We know. We know. Bring Mark Kenyon back. <laughs> we get it a lot. We had Kenyon on last week. Awesome. We had a yeah, good yeah. time. We had fun. We yeah. were joking quite a bit. It's a homecoming. So, yeah. All Anyhow. Right. Let's All bring right. this thing home. Shut her down. Okay. Thanks for watching and listening, everybody. Till next time. Appreciate Peace you. out.